I want to take you back eight months ago. Eight months ago, I was pretty well into my self-improvement journey. I was very happy with my results that I've seen so far. I've been going to the gym for almost two years at that point. I had been eating healthy, exercising. My physique was very nice. I've been doing all these things. Very happy with my progress. And then I... At that point, I've been really starting to focus on my health, like all these environmental factors like estrogenics and all these chemicals that I'm exposed to on a daily basis. And so also at this point, I'm still watching YouTube videos. I'm scrolling through YouTube all the time, watching stuff. And there's one video that my friend sent me because... He sent me a video called Esoteric Sleep Guide because he was really focusing on improving his sleep and he thought that that video would be helpful to me. So I watched the video and he's basically talking about all these different things you can do to improve your sleep. And he talks about like non-sleep deep rest before going to bed. He also talks about your actual room, your environment, your pillow. And then he also talks about how your bed is actually bad for you. And that piqued my attention. He was talking about how most people's beds are actually made of harmful chemicals, harmful materials that are bad for your health. And you're soaking in that like eight to 10 hours a night, every single night. So like basically a third of your life is spent soaking in these chemicals now he didn't say like that he didn't say it like that but that's basically what he was saying and that obviously since I was really focused on my health that piqued my interest and so he provided a few different solutions one solution was to get a new bed and he suggested this brand that was that created very like natural beds and didn't have any harmful chemicals in them but it was pretty pricey it was very expensive like in the thousands of dollars i think and mind you i am a broke high school student so that was not an option for me and the second option was very interesting to me because it he basically suggested a tatami mat which is basically where they took grass and wove it together and created a mat out of it. It's basically like sleeping on the floor. And then he said that the samurais actually slept on those. So the, and I'm thinking to myself, oh, these samurais, like they are hardened people. Like they are beasts, like they're men. And then I'm thinking like they slept on the floor. So that piqued my interest because one, it's pretty cool to sleep on the floor. Like that makes you a hard person. And then two, it's also helping your health, which is what my focus was at that time. So I finished watching the video and what do I do? Absolutely nothing. Relatable, right? You watch a whole YouTube video and don't take any action. Yep. So I finished watching this video and then go on with my life. And a couple weeks later, I 
a couple of weeks later, I start thinking, I, I wanted to start focusing on meditation and I wanted to get meditation actually consistent in my routine. And at this point, I'd been meditating inconsistently for maybe a year. And the, the reason why I was inconsistent was because I would always meditate after my gym session. So after my workout, I would meditate at the gym in like the yoga studio. And it w- it was not consistent because sometimes the studio would be blocked, like they w- it, w- it would be used, or I simply just would take a rest day from the gym, and then I wouldn't be able to meditate that day. And so I needed a solution on how to actually make my bed, or I wanted to make my, I wanted, okay, so I needed a solution on how to get consistent at meditation. And so I'm thinking to myself, well, what's the simplest way to get consistent at something? Well, add it to your routine. And what type, like, what part of your day is basically a guarantee to accomplish certain things? The morning. And so I, I decided to add meditation to my morning routine. And I'm thinking, well, one issue that I had with meditation in the past was I attached it to a location that I wasn't guaranteed to be at every day. And that was an issue. So the solution was attach it to a, a, or attach it to a location that I was guaranteed to be at every single day, which was the place, the simplest place that came to mind was my room because I sleep in my room. So that's basically a guarantee that I'm going to be there every single day because I'm at my house I live at my house the majority of the year. Like we only go on vacation a couple times a year. So I'm I'm trying to think like how can I cultivate a perfect environment for my for meditation in my room? And a couple days go by where I try to meditate on the floor right next right next to my bed. And it just is uncomfortable. I didn't really like it. And I found that like the situation was not very good. And then, so I'm thinking like, how can I figure this out? And then in a moment, in an instant, a flash came to my mind. Like I instantly remembered the tatami mat. And I was like, oh, tatami mat, meditation. And then another flash came to mind. I instantly visualized like this image of my room in the future. I like, or not necessarily in the future, but I visualized a possibility of what my room could look like. And it was just completely empty with nothing but a tatami mat. And at this point, my room is, it's got like, it's pretty full. It's got a bed, a fan, a air purifier, a, a drawer, a dresser, like all kinds of things. And my room is not very big. It's pretty small actually. So it actually used to be an office. So it's not too big of a space. And so I basically think like, oh, that's perfect. I can get this tatami mat and it'll help improve my health. And then it'll also be extremely beneficial to create my environment for this, for meditation create an optimal environment for meditation. And another thing that I saw in my image, like this vision that I saw in my mind was blackout curtains on my door and my window to block out all the light. So I can have absolute darkness for my sleep because I was also thinking about how I could optimize my sleep as well. 
So all of these things, it was a perfect storm of like three or four different benefits from buying this one thing. So I made the decision. I bought the mat. And I didn't want to go ahead and get rid of my bed right away because I didn't know how like it would feel to sleep on the mat. I didn't know if it would be impossible to sleep on it. And I also bought the pillow that I went back to that YouTube video and bought the pillow that he recommended because I found that the pillow that I used, like it was like a feather pillow. It was not very comfortable. Oftentimes it would leave my head or my neck strained for the rest of the day. So I bought this pillow and it was a buckwheat pillow that's like adjustable in size. Perfect for me. So I bought the pillow, bought the mat, and they came and I slept on the mat in the corner of my room, the only open space in my room for the first night. And I slept fine, is all right, for the first night. And I loved it. Like I didn't actually sleep that great because I wasn't used to sleeping on the mat yet. But I loved it because I just love the vibe it created. So the next day, I just went through and stripped my entire room of everything. And I put all of the things that were kind of essential for my day-to-day living in my closet. So I was putting my like drawer, like my cabinet drawer, and then my dresser in my closet. So now the only thing in my room is my tatami mat and like a fan and like a journal. And that's it. And the air purifier. So I'm thinking like, this is my room now. And in reflection, in hindsight, there was actually a hidden fifth benefit to that, which outweighed all of the other benefits. And this benefit was so powerful that it actually propelled me on a journey that caused me to improve my life on and improve my rate of self-improvement tenfold so much more and it was the simple environment change that I made now let me explain before my room looked normal it was just a room that 99% of people had like the majority of people had it was common and as a result I was holding myself to that standard. I saw my environment and I was like, oh, this is just who I am. I am common. I'm an average person. And then when I made that change in my room and made it completely different, now my room is uncommon. My room is a room that only 1% of people have. Like not very many people have this type of room. So now my environment, now I'm holding myself to a much different standard according to my environment. Now I look around and I see my environment and I'm like, this is who I am. I hold myself to a much higher uncommon standard, the 1% standard. So the, the change to my physical environment actually caused me to hold myself up to much higher standard. And it's also not just a conscious standard. It's a subconscious thing too. Like I wasn't very conscious of the fact that, oh, this is my room. This is how I am. It was a subconscious thing. It wasn't very, it wasn't something I was aware of. Even like with my room today, I'm not really like conscious of the fact that I'm holding myself up to a higher, like a level that's in parallel to my environment but it's definitely there. Like I'm definitely holding myself up to a higher level. 
And so much so that my rate of self-improvement improved so much faster. And I was, I found that I was pushing myself a lot harder, a lot easier, just because that was just who I am now. That was just my identity. And I didn't really connect all of these dots until today. Like I do a daily walk every day. And over the past couple of days, I've been really reflective over like different changes that I've made because I'm trying to figure out like brainstorm this video idea that I'm coming up with. And one of the th- conclusions I came to was I have an uncommon room. So now I'm holding myself to an uncommon standard. So that's like, that's the true power of having, of taking control of your environment. Your environment is really the standard that you set for yourself. Your environment sets the precedent for who you become. And there are actually like your, that's your physical environment. And I came to the conclusion that there's actually three different types of environments. There's the physical environment, the mental environment, and the social environment. But right now I just want to focus on the physical environment just temporarily because your room is not the only type of physical environment. Your workspace, your kitchen, your house, your home, like anywhere that you're spending time in that's a physical location, like any physical area around you from a day-to-day basis is your physical environment. And it doesn't have to be a room or a place. It could also be simple things like one thing that I realized was like cleanliness. If your environment is dirty, like if you allow dust to build up or if you allow the dishes to build up in the kitchen, like this is your environment as well. So it could be temporary things and it could be more long-term things. So that's your physical environment. And I also want to talk about your mental environment and the To explain this, I want to bring your attention to, I want to, I want to tell you a story of a man who we'll call Johnny. Now, Johnny is just an average person. He's a sleeper, which basically means that he goes about his day like it's a daydream. He's not very conscious, he's not very conscious or he's not really trying to control his reality. He's not, he's just kind of getting swept along life, getting swept along by the current. And this is a very common thing. Like most people are like this. And Johnny, he doesn't control his thoughts. His mental landscape, his like inner mental mind, his like inner monologue and all, like everything that's going on in his mind is a wild land he lets it he lets his mental landscape ravage uncontrollably he allows his thought process to be uncontrolled and as a result he's living a extremely uncontrolled life he's living a life that is not very great to live johnny often Johnny does not have very high self-control. He gets put into, he actually succumbs to instant gratification a lot. He is not able to discipline himself. He doesn't control his thoughts. And now 
Now I want to talk about another person. Jonathan. Jonathan is the macho alpha man that everyone looks up to. Jonathan lives such a life of self-control that he does not give in to instant gratification like Johnny does. Jonathan lives such a life that he, his life is always getting better week after week. In 10 years, Jonathan's life will be extremely, will be so much better than it was now. And Jonathan, his mental landscape is very controlled. He understands the importance of, Jonathan understands that self-control is a law of success. Jonathan also understands that self-control is solely a matter of thought control. And with this simple understanding, he takes extreme care over his mental landscape. He does not let negative thoughts inside of his mind. And he does not allow uncontrolled emotions or uncontrolled thoughts to ravage his mental landscape. And as a result, his life is a extremely disciplined disciplined and controlled, peaceful, very inspiring life. It's an amazing life, the type of life that people long for. And Jonathan just understands the simple fact that your reality is a reflection of your mind. And he understands that if he simply just controls his mind then he will be able to shape his world into how he desires. And he understands that this takes a long time, but it does work and it does happen. So what's the difference between Johnny and Jonathan? Well, Jonathan, there's a lot, actually there's a lot of differences, but one key difference from this story is that Jonathan actually controls his mental landscape or his mental environment. He understands the importance of your environment. And he also knows that your mental is an extremely powerful environment. Because I would go so far to argue that it is the only environment. It, it is the base. It's the stem of the way we live. It is the origin of how we experience life. Your mental environment is primary and the physical environment is secondary for many reasons. One reason, your world, the world is a mirror. But also another reason is you're experiencing the world, you're interpreting the world through your mind. And you can change those interpretations based off of your controlled attention and your selection of your thoughts. So that's the mental environment. And then I want to talk about the third type of environment, which is the social environment. There is a well-known quote called, you are the average of the five people you spend the most time with. This quote is so well-known that it became a household quote to the point where parents 
actually warn their children early on in life. They warn them who they choose as friends, who they choose their, like they warn them to carefully choose their friends because they understand that you are the average of the five people you spend the most time with. And you're the average, so you're the average of five people you spend the most time with, but you're, so that means that the people around you are shaping who you are. So all of these, so you're, let's say you're hanging out with drug addicts. They are shaping you to become a drug addict. Let's say you're hanging out with people who are addicted to social media or addicted to candy, addicted to fast food, or if you're even less extreme, you're hanging out with the common person, the 99%, the average person, you're hanging out with mediocrity. Well, then you will become that as well. So this is a thing that is very important to understand because you, the five people you spend your most time with are shaping you into who you will become. Now, you may think, oh, there's no hope, but there is because you can actually choose who you hang out with. But even if it takes a long-term effort to change who you hang out with, for example, let's say you are in a financial situation where you have to kind of be around this person for a long-term time, before you can move on, even if you're in a situation like that, it's not all lost because there is a principle and it's a principle of suggestion. So this principle is basically how your environment, everything around you is sending you information and you're sub- it's sending it to your subconscious mind And your subconscious mind takes it literally. And the subconscious mind does not have reasoning. It basically takes everything that's said to it and it becomes a part of itself. So that's why the quote, you are the average of five people you spend the most time with is true because the five people that you spend the most time with are sending you basically information of who you are. So they're basically acting their lives out And then they're simultaneously sending your subconscious information on who you are. So does that make sense? Your subconscious is interpreting all this information. And as a result, it's taking it and becoming, it's basically taking that information and putting it back into itself. And it's becoming that. So the five people around you are sending your subconscious information and that subconscious is basically consuming that information and now it's becoming a part of it. So with that said, that's a principle of suggestion. But then there's also the principle of auto-suggestion, which is your conscious mind communicates to your subconscious mind. So the principle of auto-suggestion is anything you say to yourself. So that's what affirmations are. Anything you say to yourself becomes a part of yourself. So that's why negative self-talk is very dangerous because you're basically telling yourself that this is who you are, whether it's negative or positive. And that's why positive affirmations are very beneficial and good because that's you're telling yourself that's what you are. 
And this principle of auto-suggestion actually has plays a key part because when you are experiencing the world, you're experiencing it through your mind. And there are two parts of the mind, the conscious mind and the subconscious mind. And the it's the subconscious mind job to basically gather all the information and make it a part of itself. And then it's the subcon. It, okay, so the since the subconscious mind can't really decipher the information, it just trusts everything that it's given to it. That means that it's the conscious's the conscious mind's job to protect the subconscious at all costs. So that means it's our it's our conscious mind's job to filter all information sent to us and filter out the bad and only send the good to our subconscious. Because everything that gets sent to the subconscious becomes a part of ourselves. So with that understanding, we take a look at the quote, you are the average of the five people you spend the most time with. This quote can actually be defended. So let me explain. You can actually fight against that. So the five people you spend time with, they are sending you information through the principle of suggestion. But all suggestion has to get filtered through your consciousness before it can be sent to your subconscious through the principle of auto-suggestion. So that means that all all information sent to your subconscious is through auto-suggestion and not suggestion. So suggestion alone cannot make it to your subconscious. So suggestion alone is not dangerous. It's only dangerous when it gets through the conscious mind, the sentinel guard of our being. So with that said, that let's tie this back to the mental environment because when you're controlling your thoughts you can control all of the information sent to your subconscious mind and that's where the social environment plays a key role because if you're in a bad social environment where you're surrounding yourself with negative people that you don't want to be like people that are not indicative of your goals these people are basically sending you suggestions and you have a choice. You can either control your thoughts and be impeccable in your attention, controlling your attention and not let any of that garbage in. Or you can be like Johnny and be a sleeper and just let everything in. So that is the decision that we're making on a day-to-day basis. And that is where you can actually defend against your social environment. So understanding that, I want to be careful because you may think that you're, you can now be immune and now you're, it's okay to hang out with whoever you want. And I want to be careful. I want to warn you because you're not like your conscious mind will slip up. You're no matter how hard you try your conscious mind will slip up and there will be a stream of information sent to your subconscious that you do not want there. It takes years of practice. That's what the monks do. The monks go 
out into the temple and they meditate for years just to attain impeccable thought control. So you're not going to be able to just be impeccable in your thought control right away. Like it's a skill that takes years to cultivate. And so that's why you got to be careful with your social environment because yes, you can protect against a lot of it if you're conscious and you decide to do it, but you should only do that in cases like I explained earlier, where you can't really make a short term, like you can't really change it unless you change it in the long term. Like this is like, this is your life for now. So like, for example, you're financially dependent on someone you have to, you're basically dependent on them to be there. And then it'll be a long-term change to become financially independent. So that's why you should definitely focus on your social environment. And in most cases, you can change your social environment. You can stop hanging out with friends. You can move on from people. But that's the third type of your environment, the social environment. And to recap, this physical environment, the mental environment, and the social environment, they're all extremely important and they should all be taken extreme care and attention towards. And they're all connected as well. 